This week has been an historic one for two primary reasons, and that will be the topic of today's By Faith, an unscripted, unedited podcast by Lisa Noel Babbage. Earlier this week, we celebrated the birth of Dr. Martin Luther King and what so many people fail to bring into their daily consciousness is that Dr. King's legacy was based on his faith in Jesus Christ. He was, in fact, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And what is uh, most interesting, I think, about all of his accomplishments is that, in fact, the path that he would later walk on was set in motion by his father. Granted, apples don't fall far from trees. But what's interesting about his father is that he was born Michael King and decided to change his name to Martin Luther King after reading some of the writings and studying the life of the late evangelist and pastor Martin Luther. Some of you may not realize that Martin Luther is the one who um, hammered, if you will, Uh, a set of precepts to the chapel door um, back, I believe it was the 1500s. He recognized that while many men were illiterate at that time and only had a small piece of the translated word of God to rely on, even pastors might only have a single verse or chapter from which to teach. He realized that after uh, reading the scripture in its entirety, that there was a provision for God to interact directly with mankind, his creation. That the priest as an intermediary was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. When Martin Luther got this revelation, he wanted to prophesy to the entire church that it was based on a relationship with Jesus Christ, that faith is developed and that salvation occurs not by works you know prior to that time many people felt they had to do good and be good in order to receive good Um, we might call that karma in our day but the early church was was very workspace at that time and martin luther was the one who cracked if you will the code of the bible to show people that it was not based on their works while you know a relationship with jesus does typically uh, change one's behavior but it is simply a belief in jesus as the son of god through which salvation is obtained and it is a free gift that revelation um, and the acts that Martin Luther, the boldness, if you will, that he carried out was an inspiration to Michael King. And he changed his name legally and his son's name around the age of seven to Martin Luther King Jr. There's so much involved in a name. And while I'm not saying that each one of us must have some prophetic or ancient uh, personage from which we are named, it's important that every name 
because this is something that was set forth in the Bible. God told Adam to name all the animals. That was his first job. Before he had to tend the Garden of Eden, before he took care of a wife, before he raised children, he went about naming things. And even in our culture today, we still do this. You know, whether it's a a slang or an urban nomenclature, we are routinely naming things. That is part of our dominion mandate. And the name that we label ourselves with, whether it's a birth name or the identity that we follow, the name that we name ourselves with is very important to help determine the path that we're walking on. So here, this young kid... Michael King now becomes Martin Luther King Jr. because of what his father has has set in motion. And he would later grow. Um, I believe his brother's name was Dexter. And the two boys grew side by side in the path of righteousness because they were raised in the church, but also in the path of a greater ministry, a greater uh, outpouring than the little Old Fourth Ward where they lived. I myself grew up in the community of Dr. King and his brother. I routinely uh, passed by the King home on my way to visit uh, elderly at the nursing home in our neighborhood. Uh, My mother's former caretaker actually resided in a nursing home across the street from Dr. King's birth home. I went to King Middle School. Um, The King National Park was in walking distance of my front steps. And so this was a legacy in which I had been immersed from a very early age. But it wasn't until years later when I was researching a book that I found out that Martin Luther King was born Michael King. And to this week, as I marched in a parade commemorating his honor, and it was the first time that the Gwinnett Republican Party had participated in this parade. Now, I failed to um, find out how long this parade had been going on, but we can imagine it's been quite some time and that the Gwinnett Republican Party has had ample opportunity to participate in this event, this this crowning moment, this kickoff, if you will, to Black History Month. Interestingly enough, um, it is only when the membership elected the most diverse board in history that they had a mind or saw a need or a purpose to actually participate in this parade. At the conclusion of the parade, we were waiting for our rides back to the starting point, and I saw a woman wearing Democratic buttons on her jacket, on her lapel, and I recognized the candidate. I stopped and and just briefly engaged with her, and I noticed the, the look on her face was one of confusion. She was staring intently at the street, Here we had just marched for two miles in the freezing cold after having stood for about an hour for a program. And she wasn't as eager to get back to her car as I was because something had captivated her. And 
I was so fascinated by her facial expression that I, it took me a moment to turn and look to see what she was even looking at. She was looking at the Republican uh, clad truck. The truck that I had been walking in front of for the past two miles, she was looking at the signage on it. She was realizing that the Republican Party participated in this parade and it caused her to be confused. She was a Hispanic Democrat, middle-aged, probably a mother. And as I was speaking to her about her candidate, she interrupted my thoughts to express verbally what had been puzzling her. She said, and I quote, it's strange to see them here. That's when I turned and saw the truck that was driven by some of our election board's members and it had Republican signs all over it. And I said to her with a smile on my face, you mean it's strange to see us here? Because I wanted her to know as a black American that I was a Republican and that if she looked closely, she would not find it strange. But the words that I spoke didn't resonate with her initially. The cognitive dissonance that she felt by seeing a group of people that she obviously preconceived as racist, as warmongering, as hate-filled, to be present on such an auspicious day that we commemorate nonviolence, peace, and unity. The two groups didn't mix in her mind, so I repeated it again. You mean... It's strange to see us here, I said. Finally, she looked at me for the first time in this exchange, and she said, do you mean that you're with them? And I proudly said, yes, I am. That diffused her facial expression. I could see that the confusion on her mind was not satisfied but she was ready to listen because now that confusion piqued her interest to a point that she wanted to know why I was with them. This is the constant exchange that I find myself in when I am talking with people who have a wrong notion of what it means to be conservative in this country. For people who have a wrong ideal of what our nation's founding means and what better day than Martin Luther King's um, holiday to have those kinds of conversations with Democrats today. As we go forward to Black History Month, we've got to have those conversations more often. This is a prime time when people's interest will be piqued to find out new facts about, about Black history. For example, the fact that the earliest Republicans were black, that the party itself had diversity of ethnicity, unlike the Democrat Party or other parties prior to, that in fact, Abraham Lincoln was the first Republican president, that this quote-unquote new party was the party of anti-slavery, it was the party of freedom, and it was the party of unity. 
And I submit that it is still the party of freedom and unity. Of course, not everyone who claims to be a Republican in their heart of hearts wants unity, but that's the foundation. And we have to remember that if the foundation is good, then the party is good. The foundation of the Democrat Party, however, is very different. It was based on separatism. It was based on slavery. It was based on oppression. It was based on every negative thing we think about in our American history. And even today, the Democrat Party is the party of death. So it's very easy to see the path that these two political entities have formed. And while I hope more people are leaning toward independent more than ever, they must understand and we must be educated to know the origins of the conflicts that we find ourselves in right now. Martin Luther King, an independent, a voting Republican, at times, understood these things. And so again, as we move into Black History Month, this is the perfect time to have conversations with people about the actual origin of the parties and how it relates to Black history. Because believe it or not, the Republican Party is Black history. And in fact, it should be the definition of Black history. Because long before our heroes long before Dr. King, long before Stokely Carmichael, long before Malcolm X, long before the SCLC or the NAACP or the SNCC, there was Lincoln. And Lincoln is the one who put this path into motion for African Americans and the sons and daughters of former slaves. But also this week, we have had historic marches across the country, which ended in Washington, D.C. on yesterday. We marched for life as the 47th anniversary of Roe versus Wade came around yet again. And the death toll for those children in the womb has surpassed 60 million in that time frame. It hasn't even been a generation. And we've lost more than one generation to the, the sin of abortion. Now, I don't say the sin of abortion to uh, be condemning. Frankly, we all sin every single day, and no sin is uh, higher than the other. But we must be honest with ourselves, and abortion is murder, and that, my friends, is a sin. So as we think about what has happened, in our culture, where we propagate death, where we celebrate it, where we shout it out, where we curse those who would want to silence those voices who say, my body, my choice, when we completely have lost a grasp on reality to recognize that a fetus, if you must if you must use that terminology, is a baby that's still being developed. 
we abort life faster than we abort missions, outfits, relationships, meals. We have become a nation of quitters because it's uncomfortable, inconvenient, unplanned. These are the circumstances in which character can be built. But instead of developing our character, our strength, our know-how, our self-identity, we ask for a do-over again and again at the cost of what we, we can't even begin to comprehend because the loss of life has been so severe that our legacy is forever impacted. But as I marched in Atlanta, Georgia this Wednesday and heard the stories and testimonies of uh, post-abortive mothers, I was reminded of the humanness and the lack of judgment that so many in the pro-life movement have in their hearts. Their designs are not to condemn, not to ridicule, but to love and welcome home those women who have made a very difficult and devastating choice to end the life of their child. Now, in some instances, of course, it's not even a choice. We call it the tro- pro-choice movement, the, the anti-movement. Um, but many women who commit the act of abortion have been forced into it. They've been forced into it by boyfriends or mothers because they're teenagers. They've been forced into it by uh, career aspirations. They've been forced into it by a myriad of things that all add up to loss of life. Our president, President Donald Trump, is the first president ever to march for life. This is a 47-year tradition with over 60 million American lives lost And he is the first president to ever step on the stage and say, I'm with you. That is the sign of the times that we find ourselves in. Yes, it's a censure for our evil and wicked past. But instead of focusing on that, let's focus on the hope that this brings us. Because for once, it wasn't inconvenient. It wasn't unplanned. It was purposeful, intentional. And it was the right thing to do. And I thank President Donald Trump for attending the March for Life, for joining with the life movement and ending the culture of death in our society. This has been By Faith. My name is Lisa Noel Babbage.